In the meantime, you can be opening your Bibles to Psalm 127. Psalm 127 this morning. That's where we're going to start at least. This is uh, baby and child dedication. And uh, today is an important day. And while, while we, we look forward to with anticipation the day to day, we also acknowledge that for everybody, baby and child dedication day, Mother's Day, Father's Day, are, are days that are hard. Um, some of the ladies in here have lost children along the way. Uh, Joyce and I have lost five babies that are in heaven today. <laughs> some people just aren't able to bear children, and so these days are hard for them. But I hope as we work our way through the lesson today, the, the message today, we understand that we are members of a church that are full of children. And every one of us have the opportunity, but not just the opportunity, we have the responsibility of being involved in the children's lives in this ministry. So let's open our Bibles to Psalm 127. Let's begin today. It says, Except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. Except the Lord keep the city, the watchman waketh, but in vain. It says, except the Lord build the house. Now, we're not just talking about the structure here. We're not talking about physical construction. Construction. We're talking about building a home. In the Old Testament, a family is often referred to as a house. And so when we take this, this verse at its face value, it says, except the Lord build the house, they labor in vain that build it. And verse 2 said, It is vain for you to rise up early, to sit up late, to eat the bread of sorrows, for so he giveth his beloved sleep. What, is, what are they saying in this passage? This passage is basically telling you there is a vanity. It says there it is vain. We, we we're familiar with that word right now because of our studies in Ecclesiastes. But he says it is vain to go about the day-to-day -day business, rising up, lying down, can, can doing all this stuff, and, and hoping, praying that your house is built well. Because, folks, we have to understand today that it is vain to try to build a home without the Lord. You can, you can hope for it. You can, you can wish for it to pop into existence. You can, you can say all day, I hope this home ends up being a good home. I hope it's a happy home. I hope it's a happy place. But, folks, the Scripture is very clear to us. Except the Lord build it, you're building in vain. You're building in vain. And each one of us has to come to grips with that. As a parent, now for me as a grandparent, as a church member, we don't have the strength in and of ourselves to fight the enemy when it comes to raising children. We don't have it, folks. We can't do it. As we seek to raise children, as we seek to raise our own children, as we seek to raise our grandchildren, as we seek to be an influence in children's lives here in our ministry, in and of ourselves, everything I do is vain. It's vain unless the Lord's involved, unless God's involved, unless I'm doing it through the Lord's strength because in my own strength, it's not going to happen. Listen, any of you that have had children understand raising children is a daunting task. And it comes not only with large amounts of responsibility, it comes with huge amounts of joy, but sometimes it comes with huge amounts of sorrow as well. It's not for the faint of heart. And so we have to understand right from the very start, the building of a godly home comes by allowing the Lord to build it. 
That's point number one today. Point number two, the blessing of raising godly children. Notice what it says in verse three. It says, Lo, children are an heritage of the Lord, and the fruit of the womb is his reward. So two things we see in that piece of the, of the passage here. Number one, he tells us that children are what form a godly heritage. Listen, you want to leave something behind when you're gone? Leave some godly children behind. Leave some children that have learned from your example. Leave some children that understand what it is to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. That's a godly heritage. All of us want our heritage to be a good heritage. We, when, when we pass away someday and have people look at our life, nobody says, oh, I hope they think my life was miserable. I hope they think I was an idiot. I hope they think I was a jerk. No, that's not how anybody wants to be remembered. We want to be remembered as somebody who, who, who was, was valuable to society, was valuable in this life, who was an example of leadership to us. Children are a godly heritage. But he also says the fruit of the womb is his reward. You know, we recognize today, folks, listen, we all understand, we all understand how fleeting human life is. We all understand how fragile human life is. Next week is Mother's Day. And I can't Think for a minute about Mother's Day without thinking of my mom. How fragile life is. How quickly loved ones are gone. And, but, but the fact of the matter is, folks, is that God sometimes chooses to bless us with children. But what does the verse say? The verse says they are what? They're, they're, they're a gift. They're, they're a reward of God. They're God's favor in our life. We, they've been given to us by God. And they're special because of that. Children are a gift of God to their parents. The fruit of the womb is his reward. Children are given as a favor to us. Let's move on. Verse 4. As arrows are in the hand of, the mighty, of a mighty man, so are the children of the youth. So now he goes in to give us an illustration uh, about children. He says, children are like arrows in the hand of a mighty man. Now, folks, I don't believe any word in the scripture is there by accident. I, I think God, as he said, that he spoke what he wanted written in his word. And he wants us to get from this illustration that children are like arrows, not to just the average person, Listen, I have arrows in my garage at home. I am not a skilled archer, and I know it. Those arrows are not as useful to me as they would have been to a mighty man of war back in Bible times. They didn't have some of the, the weapons that we have today. So having archers that were skilled in your military was of vital importance. And to those guys, those mighty men, Arrows were important. They're not as important to me because I, I'm not a very good archer. I know that. But to a mighty man, they are. Guzik in his commentary, I often, I often cite Guzik. Guzik in his commentary points out several ways 
that children are like arrows. And I always like to give due diligence when I quote somebody. So these are direct from him. But here's what he has to say. He says, both must be carefully shaped and formed. If you're going to have an arrow that's going to do its job and do it correctly, that arrow has to be made properly, has to be carefully shaped and formed. Both, both must be guided with skill and strength. The Part of the job of the archer is to guide his arrow properly while using the strength that God has given him to pull the bow back. Number three, both must be given care or they will not fly straight. A damaged arrow doesn't fly the direction it's supposed to go. Number four, both must be aimed and given direction. They must be aimed. Listen, no archer is smart if his target is there and he's aiming over here. Not going to hit it, folks. It's not going to work. He needs to be carefully aiming that arrow. Number five, both are extension of the warrior's strength and accomplishments. In military sense, back in Bible days, an archer's arrow was only as good as the archer was. It was no better than he was because it was an extension of him. And then number six, both have potential for much good or evil. Both have potential for much good or evil. The scripture tells us here, as our arrows are in the hand of a mighty man, so are children of the youth. But these are not just simple comparisons between arrows and children. As a parent, they are uh, some, some similes between the archer and the parent. A mighty man intends to use the arrows he possesses, and he intends to use them successfully. No warrior back in Bible days that's an archer no warrior goes into battle and says, well, I hope this is going to work today. I hope this works out. It's not what he says. He has, he has a plan, right? He has intent. His intent is, I am going to kill the enemy with these arrows. And I fully intend to see that through. Listen, folks, children are not developed properly just because we hope so. It doesn't happen. There has to be intent. There has to be Effort, lots of effort in raising children properly, whether it be in your home, your children's children as they come to visit, or here at church. There must be effort, energy expended. A mighty man intends to use his arms, use them successfully. Philip states this. He says, before the archer can discipline his arrows, he must discipline himself. He must learn how to direct arrows. He must master the art of archery, learn how to bend the bow, how to take aim, how to judge the distance, direction, the strength and quarter of the wind. He must learn to draw back the string and how to keep his eyes on the target. Now you think about that for a second, parents, and think about this fact. Before we can discipline and try to raise children in a godly manner, we must be disciplined. We must be disciplined. Listen, it doesn't do me a bit of good to tell my children to live for the Lord if I don't live for the Lord. I'm wasting my breath. This is not one of those situations where you say, do as I say, not as I do. You can expect 
by statistics, you can expect that your children will grow no further than you do spiritually. So if you are a mediocre Christian with a mediocre spiritual life, you can probably assume that your children are going to grow no further than that. And statistically speaking, that is the case most of the time. Now, every once in a while, there's children who have a terrible upbringing, terrible parents, and they grow up and accomplish great things for the Lord. But statistically speaking, if you are not living a godly life before your children, don't expect them to live a godly life. Because it's not do as I say, not as I do. We don't have a prayer in raising children to be godly if we are not willing to live godly ourselves. Notice what it says in, in verse 5. It says, happy is the man that hath his quiver full of them. The word happy there is blessed. It's the word blessed. And the scripture tells us that a man is blessed when he has lots of arrows in his quiver. Isn't that a beautiful thought? You know, I've, I've been sharing with you, I, I was watching, I guess it was last year's episodes of Alone. And um, I don't watch a lot of reality TV, but I like that one for some reason. I don't know why. But anyway, but one of the things that during this season was where they were, um, they were allowed to take nine arrows. And that was it, as far as arrows. Now, they could have other, a few other supplies, but arrows, they could only take nine. And, you know, it's interesting, because there was a limit... And, and, and because they were, could be out there for many, many days, even up to 100 days, out on their own, you know what they did? They took those arrows real seriously. If they fired an animal and missed, they would spend hours hunting for that arrow if they couldn't find it. Because they had nine, and that was all they had. And so it became something of great importance to them. Listen, children are a blessing, and blessed is the man that hath his quiver full of them. A story was once told about a wealthy man who walked into the home of a much poorer man that had many children. When, as, the, as the wealthy man walked in, the children were all there standing in a row by age in front of the wealthy man, and the wealthy man said this. He said, these are they that make rich men poor. That was his response. To which the quickly, quick, very quickly and very emphatically, the father said this, Nay, my Lord, these are they which make a poor man rich. For there is not one of these that we would part with for all of your wealth. Very apropos response. See, folks, children are a blessing. Listen, we need to build a God godly homes. Number two, we have the blessing of raising godly children. Number three... I want us to talk about for a moment the bulwark of godly parenting. The bulwark of God. Now, we don't, we're not, we don't use the word bulwark a lot in our vocabulary. But a bulwark is a strong support or protection. It's a wall built for defense. So if we are going to be the kind of parents, the kind of church members, the kind of grandparents that we are supposed to be, how do we go about that? What do we do? Well, let's turn back to Deuteronomy chapter 6. Deuteronomy chapter 6. And I want us to notice what we read here. You know, today is termed baby and child dedication. And, you know, that term is a little 
it's, it's probably not exactly the right term. We're, we're, not ba we're not dedicating babies today. In a way we are, but we're not really dedicating babies. What we are doing is we're dedicating their parents to raise them and train them the way God wants them to be trained. There's not pressure on the babies today. As, 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 we, as we recognize these young, these young children today and I give them a Bible, the pressure is not on them at that point. The pressure is on their parents. The pressure is on their parents to train their child in the way they should go. And if we turn over to Deuteronomy 6 this morning, let's see what it says here. We know that Proverbs 22.6 says, train up a child in the way he should go. You know, many people today practice a, what I would call a hands-off philosophy of rearing children. Their philosophy is, you know, I, I shouldn't be telling them everything they should do. They need to figure it out for themselves. They need to find their way spiritually, what's important to them spiritually. And folks, I just want to tell you, that is absolutely not biblical. That is not a biblical way of thinking. Hands-off parenting is not the kind of parenting the Bible calls us to do. The Bible says to us as a command, train up a child in the way he should go. It is our responsibility, and I'm going to use a term that people use negatively, and that's the term indoctrinate. You know, folks, we're constantly told you shouldn't indoctrinate children. Well, you know what? The left has no problem indoctrinating children. The school system has no problem indoctrinating children. The government wants your children. They try to claim that they're theirs more than they're yours. They have no problem indoctrinating children. But the fact of the matter is, it's the parents that are called to indoctrinate children. We are called to train up a child in the way she should go. Not only are we called to it, we are commanded to do it. God expects us to raise our children properly. Deuteronomy chapter 6, and starting in verse 1, it says, Now these are the commandments, the statutes, the judgments, the judgments which, your Lord, which the Lord your God commanded to teach you, that you might do them in the land whether you go to possess it, that thou mightest fear the Lord thy God to keep all his statutes and his commandments, which I command thee, thou and thy son, and thy son's son, all the days of thy life, and that the, thy days may be prolonged. Hear, therefore, O Israel, and observe to do it, that it may be well with thee, and that ye may increase mightily, as the Lord God of thy fathers hath promised thee in the land that floweth with milk and honey. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one Lord, and thou shalt love the Lord thy God with all thine heart, and with all thy soul, and with all thy might. And these words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. Let's stop for just a second. Who is he talking to right now? Is he talking to, to children? No, he's talking to parents. And he says, listen, parents, you need to be equipped for the task at hand. Fear God, keep his statutes, keep his commandments. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your might. Keep God's word in your heart. This is, this is what's being told to the parents. Again, before we start trying to trying to lead our children spiritually, we better make sure we're doing the things spiritually that we're supposed to do. And God gives it, gives it to us very clearly in this passage. We are to love the Lord our God with all our heart and with all our soul and with all our might. And as parents and grandparents and church members, folks, we need to be doing that. We need to first, before we try to equip children, we need to equip ourselves. 
for the spiritual battles. So when it comes to this area of, of, of building a wall of defense, building a support system of protection for our children, it starts with us. It starts with equipping ourselves. But then he very quickly moves to equipping children. Notice what it says in verse 7. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children, and shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thine hand, and they shall be as frontlets between thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. He moves from equipping ourselves to equipping children. And I want you to notice what he says. He says, thou shalt teach them half-heartedly. Now, well, my word says... Diligently. Diligently. It's a command, folks. Thou shalt. You had better teach them and not just give it lip service. You better do it diligently. Listen, folks, I am just here today to tell you the truth flat out. If you don't train your children diligently, somebody else will train them for you. And you're probably not going to like the results. We are commanded. We are told that we are to teach our children diligently. The word there, diligent, is used to, to, to repeat or iterate, to do something again and again. It was a word that was used in the scriptures dealing with the sharpening of an instrument. When you sit there and sharpen a blade over and over again because as it gets dull, it needs sharpening again. I remember when we were at the men's retreat, I can't remember if it was this year or last year, Jason was sitting at the camp and he was sharpening a knife. And he was sitting there and grinding the knife up and grinding the knife down. and grind. He was sharpening the knife. And I'm sure it's not the only time he's ever done it because he looked pretty proficient at it. And, uh, but, you know, why, why does that have to be done? Because things dull over time. And so they have to be reiterated again and again. Teach your children. Listen. When, when my child's a little baby and he's about to reach his hand in the fire and get burned, I don't just tell him once, no, no, don't touch, and walk away and say, I hope he learned. That's not what we do, right? I mean, we don't want our child to be burned. We don't want their hand to get hurt. So we tell them over and over and over again, don't put your hand in the fire. Why? Because common sense says the child needs to learn so he doesn't get burned. So why do we think when it comes to spiritual things, we can just say it once and we're done? Whew, I've done my part. I've trained them spiritually. They're on their own now. That's not how it works, folks. We are to, we are to train up children in the way they should go. It is repetition. You know what it requires, folks? It requires energy. Listen, it's been a long time since I've had a little baby in the home. <laughs> and I love my grandson to death. But he can wear me out. It takes energy to chase him around and teach him what he can't touch and what he can touch. It takes energy. And listen, folks, if you're going to be a godly parent, it's going to cost you something. It's going to cost you energy. It's going to cost you effort. It's going to cost you time. And listen, folks, I've raised six kids. It's going to cost you money. It's going to cost something to raise children in the way they should be raised. But he says, listen, we need to do it. 
Godly children just, just don't happen. Parents must be actively involved in the process of spiritually training them. Notice what he says. He says, you shall teach them diligently. And then I want you to notice what he says um, at, starting in verse 6. He says, and these, uh, and, the, uh, and these words which I command this day shall be in thine heart. And thou shalt teach them diligently unto thy children. Thou shalt talk of them when thou sittest in thine house, and when thou walkest by the way, and when thou liest down, and when thou risest up. And thou shalt bind them for a sign upon thy hand, and they shall be as frontlets between the eyes, thine eyes. And thou shalt write them upon the posts of thy house and on thy gates. So he gives us some things in here. He says, number one, we need, we need to teach them. We need to teach them. That's the first T. Number two, we need to talk about them. We need to talk about them. Listen, folks, spiritual discussion should be a discussion at your home. If you are going to raise your children the way God wants you to raise them, you've got to talk about God. He needs to be a conversation in your home. He's not a subject to be avoided. He's not something to be embarrassed about. He's something that should be discussed, should be talked about. Do you have spiritual conversation in place in your household? Now, I'm not talking about, you know, going home from church on Sunday and, and roasting the Sunday school teacher and roasting the pastor because they said something stupid. I'm talking about spiritual conversation, positive conversation in their lives. We need to teach them. We need to talk about them. And then he says we need to tie them. We need to tie them. Now, this would be a little different back in Bible times than now. Back in Bible times, they put scriptures in little boxes and hooked them to their forehead. I don't suggest that you walk around in today's society with a box on your forehead with a piece of scripture uh, sitting inside of it. But what is the point? The point is you're supposed to keep the scripture close by. That's the point. That's the point for us today. Is the scripture and discussion about the scriptures, is the idea of the Lord Jesus Christ, God, is that something that you keep close by to your children? Is it something they know is important in your household? Because if it's not important in your household, I guarantee it won't be important in their household. It won't. And then the last thing I want us to look at is we are to testify. We are to testify. And before I go into those verses, the parents that are involved in baby dedication, I want you to slip out now to the nursery, pick up your child, and come on up here and sit in the front row on this side as I cover this last point. We're to teach them. We're to talk about spiritual things. We're to keep God close by, close at hand, his word, and then finally, we are to testify. Notice what it says in verse 20. It says, And when thy son asketh thee in time to come, what mean the testimonies and the statutes and the judgments which the Lord our God hath commanded you? Then thou shalt say unto thy son, We were Pharaoh's bondmen in Egypt. And the Lord brought us out of Egypt with a mighty hand. And the Lord showed signs and wonders, great and sore, upon Egypt, upon Pharaoh, and upon all his household before our eyes. And he brought us out from thence that he might bring us in to give us the land which he sware unto our fathers. And the Lord commanded us to do these statutes, to fear the Lord our God for our good always, that he might preserve us alive as it is to this day. And it shall be our righteousness if we observe to do all these commandments before the Lord our God. 
as he hath commanded us. What does this part of the passage tell us? Folks, it tells us that we need to testify before our children about what God has done for us, about God, what God has done for us. These parents had lived in Egypt before they had, they had, they had, been, they had, they had them and their, and their grandparents and their parents had, had witnessed what took place. And, and he says, listen, when they ask you about what this means, you tell them. You tell them. You testify before them. You say, listen, the Lord brought us out of Egypt with miracles, signs, and wonders. And, and, he, and he dealt harshly with Pharaoh and his nation because he's a good God. And if we obey these commandments, it's going to be for what? What does the scripture say? It's for our good. It's God wants us to do this for our own good. Why do we obey the Lord? It's for our good. And so if we are going to be the kind of parents, grandparents, and church members that we should be in raising and training children, we must teach them, talk to them, tie the scripture and the Lord about them, and testify before them. And with that note, let's just turn over to one last passage of scripture, Titus chapter 2. Because I don't want anybody sitting in this room today to be able to take their hand and go, Phew. Not a parent, not a grandparent, already raised my kids, I'm done. I don't want any of us to think that way because none of us are done. Notice what it says in Titus chapter 2, starting in verse 1. It says, But speak thou the things which become sound doctrine, that the aged men be sober, sober grave, temperate, sound in faith, and charity, and patience. The aged women likewise, that they uh, be in behavior as becometh holiness, not false accusers, not given to much wine, teachers of good things, that they may teach what? The young women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children, to be discreet, chaste, keepers of the home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God might not be blasphemed. Young men likewise, now here's the man's job, to be sober-minded in all things, showing thyself a pattern of good works in doctrine, showing uncorruptness, gravity, sincerity, sound speech that cannot be condemned, that he that is of a contrary part may be ashamed, having no evil thing to say of you. What does that passage tell us? That passage tells us that if you're in this church today and you have a little bit of age on you like I do now, we have a responsibility. And my responsibility and your responsibility is each one of these young children that are scattered throughout this room. We have a responsibility to teach them and train them and exemplify good doctrine before them. That's what we must do. So if you're a parent here today, a grandparent, or you're sitting in the audience today, so that takes in all of us, we all have a responsibility when it comes to this area. Let's stand for just a moment with our heads bowed and eyes closed. We end a little early because we're going to do the short baby dedication service after this. But just, uh, and Elizabeth, you don't, need to, you don't need to come and play this morning. I just want to give us just a minute to think through these words. Parents, you can go ahead and make your way forward to this front pew while we're talking right now. I just want you to think about the message today. Think about our job. What are we supposed to do? This is baby and child dedication. But really it's a day where we, each one of us, say, listen, Lord, I'm willing to do my part in training up these children in the nurture and admonition of the Lord.
Let's have a word of prayer, and then we're going to have a seat, and we'll move forward with the baby dedication part. Lord, we thank you for this day, for your blessings. Lord, we just pray that the service today will be a blessing to us, and we understand the importance of being involved in raising children. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may be seated. Today we, we have four uh, babies or children. It's been a while since.